You are listening to Rouge, White, and Blue, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. Hi, and welcome to the Rouge, White, and Blue CFL podcast. We're calling this one the My Team is Good edition. My name's Oz Davis. I'll be the co-host for the show. And we're not so much talking about my team being good, although we were quite good this week, as the team of my co-host, Joe Pritchard, being good. Joe, um, would you like to start off by telling us how you are or how your Winnipeg Blue Bombers are? Let's talk about the Bombers. They're doing well. Naturally. We started well, this podcast at the end of 2015. It's been a long time coming, but I feel like this is a really, really good team. Yeah, well, my team still sucks. In any case, uh, I, I, I found it kind of a typical week in the CFL this week. Joe and I each went 2-2 two and two in Pick'em. Uh, CFL Twitter blew up over nothing. We'll be talking about that later on. And the Calgary Stampeders romped again. Uh, any other general impressions, very general impressions from last week, Joe? Mm, so we had Josh Smith on two weeks ago, and he was talking right. about being worried that Hamilton was going to stumble pretty quickly here because they were due. Uh, I'm paraphrasing those were in his exact words, but that <laughs> was, it's that was the thought and they just took an extra week to do it right right numbers don't lie you know of course the hamilton tiger cats had that streak uh you know so many years since they won three in a row start the season three and oh so many years since they started the season four and oh and sure enough the numbers caught up with them in the form of montreal alouettes 36 hamilton tiger cats 29 uh, usually this is the point in the show when i begin drinking lamenting yet another terrible alouettes loss well this time on the show i'm going to start drinking in victory i was gonna say at least have some fun with it (laughs) montreal was the last team to get a home game this season uh i did note that uh on twitter i caught it pretty early oh damn i don't believe to oh yes i do i have a tweet from gene draper who tweeted right from the beginning of the broadcast that 18673 were at the game tonight solid attendance hashtag montreal's uh, that's the tweet from Draper. So, you know, 18-6 is not bad for Montreal, considering we don't have an owner. And I'm sure that the marketing is not awesome this year. Uh, how'd you? First things first, how'd you like these uniforms, Joe? The monochrome blue. Better? Uh, <laughs> actually, if I didn't look at the helmets too closely, I kind of liked them. Although I'd have preferred white pants, but I hate monochrome, so... Yeah, see, I hate white pants. That's my thing. It's, I, that looks just so cheesy, unless one of your primary colors is white. Well, then do like red. Then do red. Then just should. do something different. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, red and blue? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it does look a bit uh, college ball. It does look a bit arena league ball, the monochrome look, I, I do admit. Uh, and the helmet still sucks. But uh, I like how the helmet went with the uniforms. I'm not sure if that's actual Quebec blue that they're using. I think it's not. 
I think it's a bit darker shade. So I'd kind of like to see that. I'd kind of like to see actual Quebec blue on there, if that's not it. But not bad. All right, but let's talk about the game. I hate to be a pessimist, but despite the fact that the Alouettes scored 36, then they seem to be okay. You know, no, no, no suicide moves and just a lot of points. I mean, usually it takes the Alouettes two or three games to score this many points these past few years. But uh, I don't know. To me, it was a lot, a lot, a lot of William Stanback. Um, at the beginning of the season, Joe and I participated in the CFL media poll making various predictions. And I hemmed and hawed about going with maybe standback for uh, halfback of the year. In other words, uh, getting the most rushing yards for the year. And uh, I don't, I don't remember if I went with him or not. I went with him or the guy who's currently number twenty-one in rushing yards right now. But I hope I went with standback because right now he's number one in the CFL after going for two hundred forty total yards 203 of those rushing uh he's three places ahead of your guy joe mr harris in winnipeg uh but that was basically it i mean can you convince me otherwise i mean vernon adams you know he game managed well enough uh you know the defense gave up your typical missoli game like 400 yards with two interceptions and a touchdown um i don't know this this is kind of fluke for montreal isn't it uh, take it though. Yeah, 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 yeah. You have to win this game. Uh, you're playing an Eastern team. You're playing at home, home opener. You have to win this game. So I was glad that we won, for sure. Um, what can we say about Hamilton coming out of this game aside from the fact that Sean Thomas Sterlington went out very early? Uh, he's on the six-game disabled list. I mean. You know, you look at the numbers in this game, you cover up the score, you think the Tiger Cats win. You can even say they scored 29 points. You think they win. I mean, Missoli, 29 and 44, 401 yards. Uh, Combs had some good runs. He only carried it six times, but still went for 50, 51 yards. Um, you know, pretty decent game. You know, the receivers are catching the ball. He's spreading the ball around. Banks, Combs, Tasker, they're all getting catches. And Jalen At. Acklin leads the game with eight catches and 130 yards. Is this just a blip for Hamilton? Mm, I think this is who they are, uh, especially without, <laughs> Isn't it? With, without their top rusher around for at least the next couple weeks. Who knows if he stays the full six, but yeah. uh, without that, Coombs is a glorified slot back at this point he tends to be more into the passing game than the rushing game uh, so I could see them throwing the ball 50 times and running it 10 or 15 like they did this game and that's not going to help you control the game and if the defense isn't up to the challenge of the other team's offense they might be in trouble late in games for the next little while yeah, I said before that uh, Missoula had two interceptions, one touchdown. That was actually two touchdowns, one interception. Mm. I guess I guess we can do the uh, check. How are you feeling about your eight and ten, Montreal Alouettes? Slightly better than I did the uh, week before. <laughs> okay, good like, on you. Like I uh, that, like I've seen some of the reasons why I went that way now. Mm-hmm. And I was waiting well, for that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, stand back, 
is proper. I mean, I like this guy. He, he, he closed out last year really nicely. He had a bunch of big games at the end of last season. Um, I like Loeffler, although he hasn't played yet. Uh, I like, and the defense in general is somewhat solid. Uh, they gave up a lot of points to Hamilton last week. But, you know, there's some brights, but they're not as awful as Toronto. Let's put it that way. I, uh, In preparation for the show, I was also looking over the Hamilton Tiger Cat schedule, and I, I've said it before, and I just want to say it again. The schedule makers were incredibly kind to Hamilton um, this season. You know, of course, so far they face Saskatchewan at home. Uh, at Toronto, <laughs> they ran up, what, 64 points against, and now the back-to-back against Montreal. Okay, now, admittedly, things get a little bit tougher next week with Calgary, but they're in Hamilton. Then they get a bye. Then they're home against Winnipeg, which, if you got to play Winnipeg at this point in the season, is what you got is where you want them. They close the season easy, mostly against the East, so they'll be able to chart their own destiny going into the playoffs. Um They've only got one tough stretch in this season, and they still managed to sneak in a game against Toronto and a bye. What gives here, Joe? Is it a conspiracy? <laughs> some, some teams win with the schedule. Some yeah. teams lose with the schedule. Yep, yep, uh, it is true. And they and really, it, how it looks at the beginning of the season isn't always the way it plays out because you look at the middle here. Uh, I'm just scrolling right. through. They've got. As, as I'm going through that by, you're saying that, so week seven's Winnipeg at home, week eight is Saskatchewan on the road, neither of those are easy outs for sure. No. BC, uh, week nine at home, uh, at Ottawa week 10, uh, at BC week 11, and then home against Toronto for Labor yeah. Day. That could have been a lot tougher stretch, and it could still very well be if BC can get their stuff together. But right now, that's looking a lot less daunting than it might have uh, before week one happened. Right. Well, the tough part of the schedule is 11 through 17, right? That's at BC. You know, BC usually doesn't lose at home. Let's see if they can get back to that this week um then you get toronto and a bye then you get the at calgary at edmonton at winnipeg run that's going to be tough you know that uh actually that's not too bad that at edmonton is a short week but the rest of them are all one week that's as bad as it gets that's as bad as it gets for hamilton this year and then they close out with home by home at montreal home (laughs) you know i mean to me, at the beginning of the season, that end part looked pretty good, and this beginning part looked pretty favorable for Hamilton. So, so far, to my expectations, 3-1, and one, they should at least be 3-1, and one, if not 4-0 oh at this point. Are you with me here? Don't you think so? Yeah, I, I could, I could yeah. definitely see 3-1. and one. That's probably what you'd expect out of the beginning stretch. It's going to be interesting to see... Uh, if they can maintain what they've got, though, because it's not like the Calgary and Winnipeg are going to be easy outs. They could very well be 500 mm. going into going into um, Mosaic, which I know clearly the Bombers have had uh, many more issues in Mosaic than most teams have, but mm. that's still not one I'm looking forward to if I'm a 500 team. Yeah, well, Calgary didn't have too many problems in Mosaic this weekend, that's that, for that sure. That is for sure. 
That is for sure. <laughs> but we'll see. Uh, but before... We'll see where they're at in a few weeks because it seems like you get a different Saskatchewan team every week, which we'll get into further yes. later on. Yes, this is for sure. Yes, let's let's not jump ahead. Let's talk about your Blue Bombers, Joe. They won 29-14 to 14 against the Ottawa Red Blacks, who looked completely outclassed. But go ahead, take it away, as I usually let you do in these situations. That's the kind of game that I want to see out of the Bombers. They just dominated right. their opponents. And in their house... In a team that's a lot better than they were given credit for at the beginning of the season by a lot of people, including myself. Uh, but Winnipeg came out there and was clearly the stronger team, even with Matt Nichols going down mid-game. Chris Shreveler came in and just kind of held the fort. They made a couple of huge plays and just kind of coasted from there. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, of that. course. Yeah, I mean, that that's what's impressive about this Winnipeg team is that, like, okay, they're the lightning strikes team of the league, right? The, this is the team that either reacts with a 60-yard pass or, you know, just pulls this out to take the lead, right? They're the big play team of the league. In this game, Joe, in this game, here we go, my favorite stat again. Winnipeg had the ball for... 39.01. That's twice as much time almost. Twice as much time. The Red Blacks could not stop these guys this time. You know, and, and on defense, Winnipeg is just bam, bam, bam. Now look, Dominique Davis was terrible. This offense was terrible. But I don't think that you're going to win too many games with just 46 snaps. Unless you're playing the Red Blacks. <laughs> you know, you're just not going to win if you never have the ball. Now, usually, like I say, usually the Bombers are just bam, 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 score. But this time, they were nice, they were deliberate, and and Nichols did not air it out. He did not force the ball. He did not create the unnecessary turnovers. Really great game. Really great game yep, they, by your Bombers. They controlled it throughout. Uh, this was the Davis I was expecting coming into the season. Sure. Uh, mind you, this, that's why I had them as low as I did. They, Ottawa really stayed away from the run game, uh, especially yeah. after the Bombers got in front. And like I said, they just kind of went cruise control throughout the second half. Well, it's two and out, two and out, two and out. <laughs> you know, I mean, David... Davis is already the master of the two and out. I mean, 21 of 36 for 234 and two picks against zero touchdowns. Uh, didn't run the ball at all. Moises Madu, six for eight, six carries for 18 yards. I mean, but, you know, you can't say anything about these, uh, you know, about the passing game at all, about the receivers. I mean, you know, the long is 30, and that's based on 20 yards after the catch. You know, and this, is, this was just a terrible terrible performance by the Red Blacks yeah, on both sides. And it uh, looked like Davis only went to Sinopoli three times. Yes! Uh, with him being the focal point, the, maybe more of a focal point in the offense now with uh, the, the losses they suffered in the offseason, I, I was listening to uh, Blue Bomber talk earlier, earlier today, and they were pointing out that maybe we're going to see some reduced numbers from Sinopoli if defenses are able to focus on him more. It uh, looks like Davis tends to like Harris and Rhymes a little bit more so in the passing game and Holly as well. Because uh, if teams are focusing on stopping Sinopoli, those guys will get some open looks. But I'm not seeing a lot of playmaking ability when 
uh, yards after catch for any of these receivers mm. is uh, is less than 20 for every single one of them. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. The playbook is getting predictable, I guess. You can just double up. You can just double up on Sinopoli because there were wide stretches of this game where it's just like he disappeared. I forgot he was in the game, you know, for like a quarter at a time. You know, it's just there was no going to him, nothing. And, uh, yeah, so well, he was the And Lewis Ward, to be fair, is just amazing. Uh, ah, he, he doesn't yep. miss in the regular season, yep. apparently. Uh, yep. Justin Medlock was missing, but had that ridiculously awesome um recovery off of the off of the punt yeah 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 you gotta like you gotta like medlock um the little things he's been doing this season other than just kicking uh he's been in on plays it's great yeah and god he's, bless the cfl kicking rules that gave the bomber how about it out. How about the CFL kicking rules that gave us the Rouge and the Lions Argos game? Should we talk about that? Yeah, okay, all right. BC Lions 18, Toronto Argonauts 17. Now, I don't really want to talk about this game at all because outside of Ian Wilde, the Argos are terrible. All right, this I'm glad that they like scored the most points they've scored in a game this season. I guess at the current rate, they're good for like, 20 next game against your Blue Bombers, Joe, but I doubt they're going to score that many. And BC Lions are really starting to irk me, not necessarily just because I bet money on them and lose. Um, But wow, I mean, these guys are so far the underperformers of the league, and this was just another one of these games. So I don't particularly want to talk about this too much, but Joe, why don't you tell us about this last play for anybody who who hasn't witnessed the insanity on Twitter? Okay. Well, so... If you're listening to this show, you obviously know how the Rouge works, I'm sure. Uh, if not, of course, uh, glad to have you. Nice nice that you're with us, and hopefully we can help you out here real quick. Uh, so, Cast- so the BC kicker, Castillo, misses the field goal, but Toronto will have to get the ball out, given it's a tie game, otherwise, out of the end zone. Otherwise, the game is over and BC wins. Well, Chris Rainey couldn't quite come down in bounds with it. He caught the ball, but landed out of bounds, and that gave BC the win. Uh, there is a, there were a lot more people than I would have expected um, against the Rouge rule entirely on Twitter. So I made a post about it that got a little bit of uh, traction, apparently. Uh, what I said, and I trying to remember if this was Sunday or Monday but I said I've seen tweets from a few people that would like the Rouge done away with this morning so it was probably Sunday morning after the game Uh, I'd just like to remind everyone that every step that's taken to reduce the differences between CFL and NFL rules is one step closer to the end of the league and the Canadian game itself I would say a lot of people liked it. Uh, got a lot of retweets, got a lot, a lot of likes. Uh, I don't usually go viral, but that was kind of the feeling I had when to, when the next day I'm still seeing like, like, like. Ooh, like. did your phone blow up? It, it kind of did oh, across the course of wow. two days. <laughs> uh, but there were two schools of thought that were against the idea. One of them was very small and not liking the Rouge rule at all. Uh, there's really no helping those people, unfortunately. Um, but <laughs> there was another school of thought that was actually kind of interesting to me, uh, where 
people wanted to do away with the rouge uh, in situations like this one, where there was a missed field goal. Now, there was even a couple of divergent schools of thought after that, where either missed field goals don't count for rouges at all, which was a small portion of things, because people were worried that it said that it was saying that failure was still rewarded. Right, right. There was another right. school of thought. This one was the most prevalent that I saw, uh, that were against the way the, the rouge rule is currently that said that they would like to have seen at the ball at least hit in the end zone or be touched by an opposing player before it counts as a rouge. They don't like it yeah. when the when the kick sails through the end zone and the other team has no chance to get it out. Thoughts on that idea? Yes, I think that's the way. I mean, okay. For me, the easiest way to explain it is that there's no touchback right so that's what the rouge is mm -hmm. right when you're forced into a touchback you know that's that's when you get the point um however i also understand the argument we had a guest on the show once that that uh he he was at tsn i believe uh that was, who, i think who, we're talking about quinn magnuson who was doing some yes 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 that's it exactly right who is against the ruse because, yeah, it rewards failure. I can also understand that. On a field goal, yeah, you probably shouldn't get a point for missing the field goal. I mean, if you get a point for missing the field goal, do the Buffalo Bills win? No, they still don't win that no, Super Bowl. That right? so, <laughs> no, oh, so it goes into overtime. Okay. Uh, okay, so maybe you do want that. No, I'm kidding. Um, so I can imagine that. But my thing is this, you know, in this particular game, look, the rule is in place, right? So learn the rules. <laughs> I mean, you know, people are complaining about the existence of this rule. So let me ask you a question, Joe. How about this one? Um, do you think there has ever been a game in CFL history where one team won by a point and the difference was a rouge, and that rouge was the last score of the game. Has that ever happened? Yeah, that's happened a few times. I was seeing sure. people point out instances, I think, in right. 2001 and another one in the 70s here. That, that, this, that, well, there was thing. one in 2012 where the Riders closed out a game with 222 with a rouge. That was the last score of the game. Right? right? So... I mean, so part of my thing is this, like, that's the way it is and know the rules. What I can't believe is that here's Chris Rainey. Chris Rainey has played at least 44 games over five seasons in the CAFL. Okay? He knows what's going to happen. And and to me, what really gets me, when I, where I really put this, is the coach, uh, Corey McDiarmid. Right Here's a guy, he's been coaching in the CFL for 15 years, on and off throughout the whole 21st century so far. Okay, Mostly on special teams, right? Here's your special teams coordinator. First, he does that insane little pooch kick. I don't know, what was the thinking there where he's just going to give BC, you know, Mike Riley, 25 or 30 more bonus yards? You know, here, here's a head start. You know, go ahead, finish this off. You know, then... Uh, apparently nobody knows how the ruse works on on Toronto. Why is he not telling him? 
this is going to happen on this play. I, I, I just don't get it. Well, so here's here's what happened on, on this whole exchange is that the first time that they lined up for that kick, they decided to go full block, trying to send 12 people at that kicker and left nobody behind. But okay. there was a procedure penalty on BC. So That's had, right. When That's the ball got further away, they decided to put Rainey on the end line. Rainey clearly knew what was going on. He just couldn't leap and come down in the field of play. You could mm-hmm. see it. The moment he landed, he took one step and realized he was standing on the end line and, sp- yes. and spiked the ball. He knew he had failed in doing what he was trying to do. Yeah. Mind you, I'm yeah. sitting there like I'm out of my chair because I'm thinking we got a chance for either a awesome run back or maybe even kicks it out. And it's like, oh, he's on the end line. Okay, right. Sit back down. Right. I don't think it's. I don't think the problem <laughs> is people don't know the rule. I think that the problem is that they don't like the idea of failure still being Fair. rewarded. What I the but there's another way to see this though. We're yes. used to we're used to field goal attempts. Um, obviously are going to score more points. So them failing to put the ball through the uprights on a field goal attempt is clearly a failure in that regard. But what's not a failure is the team kicked the ball past the goal line and the ball never came out. They succeeded in putting the ball back there and having it not come back out. That's a success. And people don't think of it that way because they're so focused on the three points that were available instead of the one point that was available. Right. Uh, I don't know my rugby very well, and I don't know my Australian rules football very well, but I believe they they have similar plays where at least one of the sports has a similar play where if you get the ball between the tiny posts, and I'm thinking Aussie rules football, but somebody can correct me on this, where they have a shorter – where they have a – post that's further out and much narrower and then a post that's back and a lot wider that must be Aussie yeah Yeah. I think that's Aussie and if the ball goes through the middle it's three if the ball goes through the backside it's one so this isn't even just this is (laughs) yeah this is just my recollection and I don't really I don't watch it enough you know once a decade maybe so I don't really know if I'm correct on this but this idea is not just a Canadian football thing. It's right. also probably from rugby as well, from way back before the games diverged in yeah. the very many ways that they've gone at this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, people yeah, are so whole... focused on the three points not being successful that they forget that there was still a successful act that credits a team for one point. Right, right. That's always my argument. That's going to be my argument until the Rouge goes out, is that, look, it's a way for special teams to score points, and there just aren't that many. You know, and you've got to, like, reward special teams at some point. Now, look, a lot of the times it doesn't happen in a situation this extreme. I mean, geez, he should have hit the field goal. <laughs> I mean, he wasn't that far out. I mean, how far out, is, how far out is he on that? I feel, like 30 it, yards? I feel like it was a little bit over 40 at that point because I think the – Oh, was it? Okay. I think it got oh, pushed Oh, right, back. because, yeah, they got pushed back. That's right. Okay, so that's a reasonable distance to miss it at. But – yeah, this is a bit of an extreme situation, but normally what happens is dude misses the field goal and then guy gets a chance to run it out. And then it's a cat and mouse game. See, I think that's worth a point if you can stop that dude from getting out. Right. And it keeps and the, the ball in play. And the problem is people have is that 
some the the vast majority of the people I have a problem with that idea have a problem with the returning team not having a chance to come back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That is kind of that I can I yeah I could I could easily lose that and not be saddened at all. Um, but I just want to say this too for the folks that are complaining about uh, the way that the ruse worked in this particular game. Look at it this way, folks. You you probably won't see this again. Right, for at least another, what, 60 years or so? Um, it just doesn't happen that often where the rouge, the last-second rouge uh, decides the game. Uh, I, can't, yeah, I can't find it on YouTube. Because I'm trying to think, because I think it was 2014, the last time we saw a kick-out situation, right. where it was just the same thing as the rainy situation. Probably, the, uh, I believe it was Jamil Smith of the Red Blacks, the first season of the Red Blacks where he was on the end line, he knocked the ball down, but he kept it in play, and Brainy is, of course, 17 yards back instead of 20 because the end zones would be more a bit shorter. So Rainey's probably actually making a, a, the same play Smith was, just a little bit too far back. But Smith get, gets it, corrals it, and then kicks it back out. I mean, uh, I, I'm, I'm here for that kind of chaos. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, and that doesn't happen all that often. Do you think Rainey was ready to do it? Rainey was, he was ready? so ready for it because you could see him <laughs> running nice. to the right, probably <laughs> trying to find a seam out. But if he can't see a seam, I'm sure he's got orders to kick that thing out. Nice. Yeah, there's a nice uh, kick out video. Uh, Montreal versus the Montreal, Toronto. Toronto one. The one, yeah, for, the one that I'm referencing doesn't come up as often because it smith kicks it out and then rob bag i believe caught it and tried to kick it back in but couldn't get enough on it mm -hmm. so that mm -hmm. one wasn't nearly as much chaos but believe me uh that was enjoyable too oh yeah no no, no. i i know that one too that's a good one too but yeah that 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 uh 2010 one and the, and, the and what we're talking about here is we're talking 2010 2014 yep. 2019 yep. these little things don't come yep. along all that often yeah so yep. hopefully we don't change the entire tenor of how a sport feels just because it doesn't feel right sometimes. Yeah, one extreme situation, and probably this, I mean, when all is said and done, when the dust settles, this may go down as a pretty meaningless game, especially if Toronto is as bad as they look right now. Anyway, let's go on. Uh, next up was Calgary Stampeders. Stampeding! Through Regina, how happy are you, Joe? Uh, Saskatchewan uh, Riders uh, ten. I turned the game off at halftime and didn't miss a thing. <laughs> I went to bed. Yeah. It was ten thirty here, so forget that. Uh, well, now uh, the way the way it was going, it was clear how it was going to end, and it ended just that way. Oh, what do you mean? What happened to no lead is safe? <laughs> that lead was safe. <laughs> See, no lead is safe has not been very true this season. We haven't had. We've had a lot of safe leads this season so far. I just want to point. I don't want to be a buzzkill, but I do want to point that out. I also. I also want to point this out. Now you picked the Riders based on home field advantage in this game, I believe. Um, if somebody had told you beforehand that this would be the first like non-sellout in Saskatchewan in like five years, whatever it was, would you still have? Would you still have taken uh, the Riders in this game? No, because. Because I felt like Fajardo would have, 
the way he's been showing the last couple weeks, had a chance to do something against the Calgary defense. And I wasn't sure what we're going to see out of Arbuckle because we've seen so little of him, and I didn't want to take that risk mm-hmm. in a hostile environment against a defense that still has a lot of the names that were on that on that ball hockey defense from last year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, the, I, I'm completely, I, I'm okay with the fact I missed the pick, but given the logic I had behind it, I probably make the same pick, uh, mm. you know, nine times out of ten. Of course, now that we have more on our buckle now, we know that he can handle himself in that kind of environment, quieting that environment early on, I might add. True. Yeah. It was a ghost town. So if we're talking about this week, maybe I make a different pick. But if we go back and sit myself in the chair last week, I probably make the same pick. (laughs) Nice. Nice. Well, hey, now we even have a book on uh, Montrell Cozart. Which is a great name, by the way. He got some action in the fourth quarter for the Stampeders. Gotta say, wow. Now, wow. Where did the Stampeders team uh, re-emerge from, let's say? Because we have seen this team in past years. Uh, just a model of efficiency. Excellent defense. I loved how after one quarter they showed the stats on TNN where Saskatchewan had had four offensive plays but yet three net yards. That is some killer defense by Calgary. And it just went on like that. It was a nightmare in Regina for Riders fans all night. And uh, Joe slept soundly. I did. I slept like a baby that night. <laughs> I was up three times with a with a uh, kid that did not really want to go to sleep. So I that definitely not slept like a, like a baby that night. <laughs> Exactly. All right. Let's uh, take this quick break and we'll come back and we will talk about next week's games. CFL podcast. My name's Oz Davis. I'm here with my co-host Joe Pritchard. Let's talk next week's games. There's a weird thing going on with the betting lines. So I always like to talk to betting lines because uh, <clears throat> I admit it, I, I wager on these games sometimes. Uh, but there's a weird thing going on where they're just not releasing the lines. We're recording this on Wednesday night. Uh, that's Wednesday the 10th of July for the 11th of July release, but we only have one line, and that line is the first game. Edmonton at BC. BC is a three-and-a-half-point underdog. I, I didn't think I'd see the day when a BC team would be a three-and-a-half-point dog at home. Uh, can you explain this line to me? Hmm. <laughs> yes, I can. BC okay. hasn't played very well this year, and Edmonton has. Mm-hmm. End of story. Mm-hmm. So wow. really, what we're seeing is a line that says Edmonton by almost a touchdown, except that BC gets the three-point home ball. Right. So, home. wow. But BC is a special home field. Uh, would you take Edmonton in this game? You think they're going to win? I do. I've got them because wow. I haven't seen enough out of BC to feel comfortable taking them right now especially given how the first game went if they if they haven't solved their problems from the first time around it could get ugly really quickly 
Wow. <laughs> wow. Well, no, I'm going to take BC. I'm going to take BC. I'll, I would definitely take them plus the points if I bet them, but I am not that much of a chump. I'm not going to lose money on BC Lions again. Um, they can't be this bad. You know, one thing that, that struck me this week was here they have, you know, we, we talked about all the coaching staff shakeups in BC. You know, they rebuilt this coaching staff. Um, they've got like a lot of ex-players in there. They've got a lot of former assistants that are moving up to lead jobs and whatnot. And yet, like, the head coach is a defensive coordinator, but the defense hasn't been good. The defense has been confused at points in games this season. Um, we have offensive. We have a quarterbacks coach who just Drew Tate, who just retired from the game, and yet the quarterback, the passing game has been terrible with these all-star receivers out there. I just don't get what's going on. The coaching staff can't possibly be this bad. <laughs> That, that they're dragging the players down to this level because to only score 18 points against that Toronto team is pretty weak. So I'm just going to say that the Lions finally live up to some expectations here and put it together somewhat on offense and defense and win this game. Uh, plus, I want to be contrary to Joe. So let's talk about both BC and Saskatchewan's next three weeks, shall we? Okay. Because Go. one of these two teams, maybe both of them, are going to be in big trouble. Yep. yep. So yep. we, of course, got this game, and Saskatchewan has a bye. So depending on how this game goes, BC's either going to be 2-3 and three or 1-4, and four, and Saskatchewan's going to be 1-3 and three when they go home-and-home home against each other over the next two weeks. If one of those two teams sweeps the other... Not only did they win the season series against each other for what could possibly be the fourth place team, which may very well be a playoff team, who knows, uh, but the other team is just buried and far, far off from catching third place. Uh, so even if they can keep pace with the team that has a tiebreaker on them all of a sudden... Uh, they got to do a lot better than that even to even talk about playoffs. We'd be a third of the way through the season, maybe a touch more for BC if they're the team that gets swept. And the season might already be on its last legs for <laughs> one of these two teams. Uh, now, I'm looking at the other teams in the West, and they're all playing Eastern teams these next couple weeks. So if form holds and western teams beat eastern teams more often than not that could mean that you have a bc team sitting here one and six with saskatchewan at three and three and the other teams in this uh in the division with like one or two losses at the most so well, these next three weeks are going to be very decisive as far as one of these two teams goes and if they and if they split they might both be behind the eight ball between the other three if those teams hold the form and go two and one apiece go for the next three weeks well yeah but look okay but what about this i mean this blows the whole thing up what if edmonton loses the next two games look they're at bc and then at montreal 
Now that's that's a good bit of travel. Right. They could drop both of those games. That could. And be, then all of a then all of a sudden the they're two too. and three. BC splits with Saskatchewan. All of a sudden they're three and four. Yeah. You know, and that's respectable. I mean, Winnipeg. It looks now. It looks right now like Winnipeg and Calgary are going to run away with this thing. They're certainly going to be able to build up a big lead this this next few weeks if these three teams beat each other up. Yep, that could happen too. I mean, if the Eastern teams step up and have mm-hmm. big weeks against these teams that we believe are beast out west, mm-hmm. uh, then everything's up in the air. But if we hold the forum like we have the last five years and have the Western teams taking, you know, two out of three apiece against the Eastern teams, mm-hmm. somebody's in trouble between Saskatchewan and BC. Yeah. Of course, that, awesome. anything could happen. I mean, BC, the one that gets brought up all the time when a team has a slow start is BC went 0-5 in 2011 and then got hot in the straight <laughs> cup. That yeah. sort of thing will happen, but it doesn't happen that often. Yeah, I mean, I mean, at this point, it's tough to imagine BC winning the Great Cup or getting to the Great Cup. They're just not coalescing quickly enough. The talent is there. It's just will it come together? And and for me, again, like like I've already talked on this show about this more than once. Is I just don't like what their coaches are doing there. They're getting out coached every week. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's, it's sick. It's gonna take. This might be end up becoming a very valuable lesson for a lot of mm. these young coaches and i like them all i don't there's not one of those coaches that i'm looking that i look at and go i don't see why you have your position right now mm-hmm. but as a group all being young <laughs> that might be a problem yeah i believe offensive coordinator is 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 the veteran but yeah, Devon Claybrooks is and at all are. I mean, this is this is one of the youngest coaching staffs I've ever seen in like any level of football uh, after high school. Let's say. I mean, this is pretty young. In any case, let's talk about the next game. Here's an easy one for you, Joe. Toronto at Winnipeg. I don't care if the line's uh, 13. I'll take Winnipeg. Yeah, this is an easy pick to make. Whether it's right or not, that's going to be another story altogether to yeah. find out. But this is this one's not going to require a whole lot of forethought. Mm-hmm. 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 Okay, how about the next one? Montreal at Ottawa. Montreal looked eh, at least pretty good last week. Ottawa looked really bad last week. We're playing in Ottawa, not far from Montreal, basically rivals. What do you think here? I've got Ottawa here. Uh home field advantage for one and for two you're looking at a red blacks team that has a bit more of a track record of playing well this season than montreal has yeah so i'm going to say and i really do believe in that ottawa defense i don't think they have much trouble with uh, the montreal offense and i can't say i'm all that uh, i can't say that i believe that the montreal defense is going to be Dominant, so Davis might have a shot to have a decent game. Yeah, I was just about to say, I don't think they need to be dominant. <laughs> I mean, Davis is going to have to do a lot more to win me over after that one. Ooh, that was really an ugly game. Um, yeah, and just to circle back on BC, is Stubler is the defensive coordinator. He's been around forever. 
and so is oh, right. Jarius Jackson's been around the league too for quite a while, yeah. but everything else from what I'm seeing is yeah. young in the coaching professions world anyway. Yeah. I was just writing about this uh, last week for another website that, yeah, I mean, they're, they're, uh, about half the coaching staff is either a first-time coaching job in the CFL or first uh, head coach, you know, first coordinator job in the CFL. So, yeah, about half their staff is, is let's say, new to the CFL game at least. Um, Montreal and Ottawa, let's see. I... Uh, I would love to pick Montreal so that, A, I could say that they won two games in a row and that, B, the East would become a total mess. <laughs> that would be awesome. But I think that Noel Thorpe still has bad blood with Montreal, and I think he would like nothing better than his defense to totally shut down Vernon Adams and whatever else they attempt to throw it them uh i would like to see william Stanback have a good game against them but i think they're going to be ready i don't think he can surprise to the tune of 250 yards again so i guess i'll go with ottawa i really want to take montreal but uh this is the better thing man you can't take your team if they're outmatched ottawa all right last game calgary at hamilton <laughs> Hamilton. I mean, if, if there's ever a must-win game for an Eastern team against a Western side, I'm thinking this is it. They're better than Ottawa, but they could be tied with them. If they No, they could be behind them if they lose this game. So uh, what do you like here, Joe? I've got Calgary because I feel like the way Good. they've played the last five quarters kind of shows me that they're the team that – we wish would go away if you're a fan of a Western <laughs> team that's not named Calgary. Yeah. So yeah. I, feel, I feel like it took them a while to get going like they tend to do, like you were pointing out very early on. But until I see a reason to say um, that they've lost it, they haven't lost it. It's not just the West that fears Calgary. Everybody except for Ottawa and Montreal, when we play in Montreal, fears Calgary. It's not, it's not just the West. Um, okay. Hmm. Now, last week, I had you speculate what would, ha uh, what would be a decent showing if Bo Levy hit the six-game injured list. Now, sure enough, he hit the six-game injured list. I personally think there's no reason to suspect that he's going to come back before that, because why would you? <laughs> now, you said that they would go 3-3. Three and three. That would be a decent showing. But already, if you've got them winning this game, they're going to do much better than 3-3 three and three over that stretch. Yep. Uh, I said three That last game I was said, a real convincer. Huh? I said 3-3 three and three when we didn't know what Nick Arbuckle really had. <laughs> and anybody that can walk into Mosaic and just lay waste to the Riders is doing something right. So you're not putting that on the Riders just not showing up half the time this season. You're I, putting that on the awesomeness have, of the Stamps. The Riders didn't have a great game. That is for sure. They didn't have, like, even have a good game. No. But that's a difficult situation to be in. As a young quarterback, you're, oh, by the way, your first start is against a team that thinks that they're your rivals in their park. <laughs> because you ask a lot of 
Rider fans right now who their rival is, and a lot of them will say Calgary over Winnipeg because they seem to run into a brick wall named Calgary every so often, and Mm. they don't like that so much. But no sellout. But no sellout. That was the thing. It's not a sellout crowd. Yeah. You know that that really uh, that that was significant for me. I mean, not so much that. Yeah, I saw. You know, oh my! I actually saw a lot of talk about that on Twitter this week too. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I wasn't being bombarded with either support or decrying the rouge, uh, <laughs> it seems like uh, it's starting to get people are starting to get priced out of places. Sure. And that sure. would be one of them with a brand new stadium. I'm sure that they're charging a lot for tickets. Edmonton was coming out with a really nice offer that I can't remember off the top of my head, but it was pretty cheap as far as getting uh, getting your your you into that stadium. Edmonton, mind you, has 20,000 more seats than everybody else, so they can pull something like that and still make more money doing that than less. But it seems to be the trend that people are saying again that eh, if I gotta spend sixty dollars on a ticket and if forty dollars on concessions plus parking, yada yada yada, uh, maybe I'll just sit home and watch it on my couch. Right, and get a six pack. <laughs> yeah, six pack Total. of pizza, and that's a lot less than that. So yeah. teams have to cut, and that's a hard. That, that's the hardest thing with. Uh, the CFL, though, is because they don't have a lot of room for error when it comes to uh, lowering revenues. So they're kind of between a rock and a hard place. They probably need to charge that much money uh, or close to it to make sure that they're staying stable and being able to go uh, spend money on players. But if you price your fan base out of there, then there's a very very uh it's a very hard to find uh perfect medium for these yeah. teams so i can't yeah. begrudge them for what they're what they're trying to do but at the same time right. i hope they have their ears open too and they're not going to get a 20 billion dollar tv contract either not even in canadian dollars so you know that's out right. um yeah, well, one of the things that struck me, too, I mean, it's funny because the dollar numbers that you're talking about are crazy cheap compared to, like, for example, Los Angeles. Uh, if I want to see football or especially basketball here, forget it. I'm spending four times what you just quoted me. Um, but uh, one of the things that struck me about Mosaic is, I mean, isn't it a tad disproportionate? I mean, we know that this is this team is the passion of an entire province we know that but that's a big stadium and not a great big city right i mean that's part of the situation right yeah it's 30 plus uh the city is probably about it's i want to say it's somewhere around 250 to 3 300k uh saskatoon is probably a little bit bigger and about three hours away but then you also get from everywhere else in the province coming that way too. But that's a hard sell for people that are coming that far away to have to pay that much to, 
and you can see how that could go. Uh, for then, a night game, no less. Right. In the <laughs> for lure, a night game. Yeah, because then you're also talking hotels for a lot of people, too, I'm Right, sure. babysitters, at least, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then the lure of the new stadium is wearing off, because it's been a... Right. This is the third year of the new place, I believe. So you're not just so. going to go to see the new place now. You've seen it now, if you want if you wanted to, I'm sure. Yeah, I could see where you start seeing some number slip, uh, unless you unless the team starts to show uh, a little bit of improvement from what they've shown so far this season. Well, yeah, but I think the point is is that they'd have to be freaking awesome because I mean, you know, this oh, is moment, this is Saskatchewan. The moment, the moment they should be selling out. The moment they're every three time. and one instead of one and three, that place is sold out and screaming. Uh, you think no so? About it. Really? You really think so? Wow. Yeah. Wow. No, well, I don't think even, that's going to happen this year, Joe. Get, even <laughs> if they get hot at the end of the season going into the playoffs, I could see their, I could see that not being an issue anymore. Really, November? I could see it. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Well. Yeah. If, I, they, I, give, I, if I, they give, if, if they give, if the writers give their fan base any reason to come, they will come. I have no doubt about that. So if you win games, they will come. That's exactly it. <laughs> it even sounds like the stadium in Field of Dreams, right? <laughs> Mosaic is the magic cornfield stadium. Well, uh, that, it, the stadium's not the magic part. It's the team. <laughs> well, yeah, it's the it's it's the devotion of the fans to that team. Right. I mean, it's really that's uh, I guess that's the, a fan I guess base the other way you can look at it is they just barely missed a sellout when they haven't been looking so good. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. I thought, I thought that the again, I thought Twitter got a little bit overblown on this one. Imagine that. That, that never happens. Never. <laughs> things got a things got a little out of hand with that one because yeah, in the end, it's not that huge a deal. It is that huge a stadium. I mean, for me, again, because you see this all the time in Europe, and you even see it now sometimes in America where these stadiums are too freaking big for the population. On top of rising prices, it's just too much it's just too much people you're not going to get that many people in this big a town out to see the games i mean imagine if you build a football stadium in salt lake city or san antonio i mean yeah sure you can sell a basketball there but there's no way you could sell like 50 60 70 thousand seats a game for football there the cities just aren't big enough you know so i don't know that's for me that's part of the thing too it's just like you're playing a thursday night game or a friday night game and you know, in Saskatchewan, and it's only going to get worse in October, November. Who's yeah, going to come I, out for that? I think the one disconcerting thing you could say about this situation is that that was a Saturday night game. Right. Saturday night at right. 8 o'clock, local, mind you. Right. Or what, right. what was it? Uh, I forget now, because that was 9 o'clock here, so it's 8 o'clock there. Yep, 8 o'clock local. Yeah. So that might be a little bit late for people, but not big. What's the, no, that's, what's the difference that's between 7 time. and 8 o'clock, really? Right. That's prime time. That's expected, right? So, in any case, uh, right. Well, things will be fine in Saskatchewan, I'm sure, but not so fine as to disrupt the Blue Bombers' run at the Great Cup this season. Joe, how would, you like to, <laughs> how would you like to close out the show, please? Yeah, I think we've had enough controversy for one week, don't you? Oh, God. Yeah, especially over silliness. I mean, this isn't even late hits, right? This is this isn't even the CBA, right? This is like the Rouge. We're not losing the Rouge. Cut it out, people. 
On that note, I'm going to end the show. My name is Oz Davis. I've been your co-host for the Rouge, White, and Blue CFL podcast. And for my co-host, Joe Pritchard, we are out of here. We'll talk to you next week and enjoy the games. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter. 